Hey, this is Dave Ryder from New Spring Church here in beautiful Perth, Western Australia. Really praying that this message is going to help you. If you'd like some more information about our story, just head to newspring.org.au. Hello, welcome. My name's Chelsea, if you don't know me, and I'm very honoured to be bringing the word today. Um, it's a, a huge privilege, and I don't take it lightly. And so let's just commit this time to our God. Dear Lord, thank you so much that you use anyone to communicate who you are. Thank you that we can sit in this place and worship you and learn more about you and be real and honest and true and that your love can just permeate our hearts. In the name of Jesus, amen. And on that note, I have a very unusual question. Have you ever wondered if God isn't real? Do you ever think that, what if we're all crazy? I'm so glad you're laughing because I was like, it's either going to be hilarious, everyone's going to have crickets and be like, why was she loud up here? (laughs) But yeah, have you ever thought maybe the human mind is so great, like placebo, that we've actually just cultivated this whole being that then, you know, it's like, oh yeah, that was God. Oh, it was amazing. This happened. It was God, but it was actually just us. You know, or have you ever thought maybe you got it half right? Like maybe God's real because, like, you know, I can see creation and see people can't make that. But what if Jesus isn't the Messiah? Like, what if I've got that bit wrong? You know, or what if it's not the Holy Spirit speaking to me? I actually find, although that it's not an audible voice, I find that through my life, I've kind of pretty confident when I can hear the Holy Spirit speaking to me. But what if I'm just hearing? You know, I mean, luckily to this point, the voices I hear only tell me good things. But, you know, what, what, if, what if that little voice is just something like, oh, that's God, but it's actually just, we're crazy. Now, I think about these things a lot. And then I start to go, you have little faith. You've been in church your whole life, Chelsea. You know, you should know this stuff. Do you know how many things God's put in place for you? You've had experiences. You've been healed. You've been in these different places where God's told you stuff and you still doubt him. You of little faith, you bad Christian. I do this to myself and then I go, oh, you remember doubting Thomas. Everyone's like, "Mm mm-hmm, doubting Thomas in the Bible. Very unholy man, you know. And all these things go around in my head. And my husband will tell you that once they get in my head, they go around and around and around. And so I spoke to Dave, Pastor Dave, and I was like, I just want to know if it's okay if I speak about this stuff. And um, lucky for us, he said yes. Um, The beautiful thing about our church and that I love about being here is that we're allowed to be real and we're allowed to be honest. We don't have to be perfect. And so I said, Dave, is it okay that like you let me speak on the stage and I think about these things? Like, am I supposed to be a holier Christian? And he said, that's fine. I think it's a great thing for you to talk about. And he said this, he said, the problem is, is that we see that the opposite of faith isn't doubt, but that's what we think. He said, the opposite of faith is certainty. So that when we doubt, we're like, oh, little faith, how can I doubt the reverent God? But he's like, no, the opposite of faith is certainty. He's a God beyond our realm of reality. Of course there's questions. And we're going to look at today and find out that, you know what, those questions are okay. And in fact, they can be good. So Dave was telling me as well, because I said, well, I'm not a theologian, Dave. You know, I, I love 
I love God. I love the Word and I want to learn more. But, you know, I haven't studied and things. Is that okay? And he says, you know, it's important to grapple with Scripture. He said, even as, you know, someone who's studied the Word, it's important that we keep grappling and trying to look at those things and find and um, look into the mysteries of God and look deeper. And I'm like, oh, phew. Good, we're allowed to do this today. So what we want to look at is that grappling is kind of like a dance, right? Like, is anyone here a dancer? Is anyone a dancer? Oh, we've got, we've got a few. Aaron, sure, I've seen that. <laughs> we've got a few dancers. Anyone not a dancer in the house? Yeah, okay. Well, Aaron, come up here for me, would ya? We've got anyone else? Rhonda, you clapped. Come on, up you come. That's good. Who else? Who else today? Oh, here he is. Da, 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 da. Um, all right. Richard, come up here. And I need one more girl. Trace, come on. Oh, you love me. You say you love me. Come up here. Yeah. All right. Here we go. So, so, guys, believe me, there's a dancer in all of us. So, Tracy, just come over here. Tracy. Darling, come over here. This is your partner, Richard. She's not listening. She's going, what am I going to say? All right. So, guys. There you go. See, well. <laughs> and then you had a dance, right? There you go. Great. This is good practice. So, Rhonda, this is Aaron. Aaron thinks he's a dancer. So, good luck. And uh, this is Tracy and this is Richard. Give them a round of applause. They've decided they're going to leave and go to another church from now on. No. Okay, so we're going to, I'm going to teach you the basic rock and roll dance move. Okay? Right? So girls first and then boys, I'll teach you. So girls, on your right foot, there's six steps, okay? You go toe, heel, and then with your other foot, toe, heel. Right? We got that? Let's do those. Toe, heel. Toe, heel. This step, then, then your left steps back and rocks and then back to the front. Let's try that again. Toe, heel and toe, heel. Step back and rock forward. Oh, give them a clap. All right, boys. With your left foot, we go heel, toe. Heel, toe. <laughs> and then the back one goes toe, heel. A little bit tricky. Step back and forward. Right? Oh, sorry, heel, toe. <laughs> I'm not a boy. <laughs> toe, heel, and then rock back. Great. Now, boys, you need to be on the left. So, Aaron, come around here. And you can assume your positions with your partner. So, if you can then, ladies, put your hand around the man's waist. And, I mean, on their shoulder. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me think. Yeah, on the shoulder. Like that. And hold, hold these hands. Smile at the audience. There we go. All right. Now we're going to do these together. I'm going to count you in. Ready? One, two. One, two, three, four. Back step. One, two, three, four. Well done. Well done. Okay. Look at these guys. He is a dancer. All right. Stay with your partners. Fantastic. Cue music. Go. Here it goes. And one, two, three, four. And step back. One, two, three, four. Step back. One, two, three. Oh, they're pretty good, aren't they? 
into each other and things, right? Yeah. So if we kept dancing, 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 working hard, practicing, doing everything we needed to, they one day might look like this. There you go, Rhonda. That's you. Are they amazing? There they are. Tracy, Rhonda, love it. Okay. Aren't they brilliant? Do you ever think how many times she fell on her face before she got that right? I think, gosh, you know, there's not even a mat there. They're amazing. But then you look at professional dancers and it's like almost watching one person, right? Like they know every move and they're flexible and they, they're strong and they work together and they have 100% confidence in each other, don't they? Well, that's what our, our relationship is like with God. So the first thing is, is we take his hand and we have no idea what we're doing. And then as exhibit A, and then, and then we start to learn the moves. Okay, you want me to do what? Where am I going? I'm going to run into you. I'm going to step on you. I'm not going to look very elegant. But if we keep dancing, what happens? One day we move as one. One day we're strong. One day we're flexible and we can move and we can anticipate the next thing and we can have 100% confidence in that partner. And that's what I want to talk to about us today when we look at our doubt. The theme for me today is, oh, that's going to blow my little paper. Um, the theme is keep on dancing. When you start to doubt all these things, keep on dancing. Come closer to our God. And we're going to have a look in the Bible at Jesus as we're in the Higher Love series still and how Jesus responded to doubt of him and doubt of people. So let's have a look. So in John Chapter 20, verse 24 to 28, we hear the classic story of doubting Thomas. And it says this. Oh, actually, just so you know, this is after the resurrection, okay? So some of uh, the women and the disciples have already had Jesus appear to them, but Thomas wasn't there. So they're like, oh, we're seeing it, it's happened. And he's gone, mm, um, I wasn't there. So this is the context. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. 
They told him, we've seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Now, he gets a bad rap. But I think that's a pretty logical thing, right? Like I saw him die, guys. I'm not going to believe it because you're all got all hyped up on something. I want something real that I can put um, my hand in and I can say, yep. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them and said, Peace be with you. Now, I think when we get taught this, especially if you've been in church a long time, it's like they're all up there praying, and then Jesus appears in his glorious light, and they'll go, and he says, Peace be with you. But in my mind, this is like a Monty Python skit. I'm like... Jesus is like, this is going to be hilarious. And then they're up there and it's all locked and they're like freaking out because, you know, all these things have happened. And they're like, oh, oh. and then Jesus goes, boo, peace be with you. And they're like, oh. like that's what happens in my head in this story. But, you know, whatever, whatever you need, that's fine. Um, then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hands in the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. So how did Jesus respond to his doubt? He didn't condemn him, did he? He said, let me give you evidence. Let me stand in front of you. Let me give you the answer to your question. And when we look at that, the Bible is our tangible evidence of Jesus and God. But then when we look in it and you start to go, I'm going to look for these things. There's some crazy stuff in there, right? So how does that fit into the God of love? How does that fit into all these things? And I must admit, this is a question that I've been asking and I'm starting to learn about. And I'm new on this journey, but I know that the answer is in context because what I'm starting to find as I'm starting to look at this and looking and talking to people who know more about these things than me, the answer comes in the context. Now, I'm going to tell you a story about the importance of context. I was driving my three kids to school Evelyn was in the front and the boys were in the back. And she said, Mum, I need your help with something. Um, one of my friends, we'll call her Georgie. One of my friends, she lies a bit and I know she's lying, um, but I don't know what to do about it. And I'm like, like, in my mind, I'm like, oh, my God, she's asking my advice. Like, parenting win. I'm like, so. But I played it cool. I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, I can handle this, <laughs> So I'm like, oh, yeah, well, tell me about it. And she's like, well, you know, she says, like, I brought, I brought my trophies in for soccer because she's amazing at soccer. <laughs> Doesn't come from me, believe me. I don't even know the rules. But um, so she's brought her trophies in for show and tell for soccer. And, um, and her little friend Georgie said, well, like, I've got like 100 trophies. So, you know, whoop-de-doo. And... And Evelyn said, I know that's not true, but I don't know how I'm supposed to handle that. And I said, well, sweetie, you know, sometimes people, like, um, say things to exaggerate because they might feel a bit bad about themselves and they're trying to make themselves feel a bit better. I said, but you can just say, Georgie, it's okay. I know you don't have 100 trophies, but I think you're important anyway. You're my friend. And I sent them off to school and I'm like, parenting win. Look at me go. And then they get back in the car at the end of the day and Leroy, who was listening to this whole thing, says to me, oh, mum, I saw Georgie today and I told her that... Um, <laughs> 
Georgie, you don't have 100 trophies. You just feel bad about yourself. <laughs> the importance of context, right? I'm like, oh, she better not tell her mum that. <laughs> you know, so... Context is so important. So when we're looking at the Bible, our evidence, what God has given us to draw us closer to Him, it's important that we look at context. Now, I'm really new on this journey, but I'm enjoying it. So I want to highlight a few things that I've discovered so far through other people that know a bit more than me. So Pastor Dave, he spoke two weeks ago on Isaiah 53 and all of the prophecies in there and how 700 years later, Jesus fulfills those. So if you you weren't here for that two weeks ago, go back and listen to the podcast and strengthen your understanding of that. Also, there's a fantastic speaker called Shane Willard, and you can see him on YouTube as well as you can purchase his series. But on YouTube, he has a, um, a series called The Historical Arc, like A-R-C, Arc, and he actually talks about and explains the context of the different parts of the Old Testament and how it links into our understanding of God. I really recommend you have a look at it. It's answering so many questions for me. He also has a series called Why Believe, and that series goes through the statistics of Jesus fulfilling the prophecies and the, um, the chances of that being um, not God-ordained. He also talks about um, how the Bible is a historical document and how it can actually be accredited like that. So he gives you a lot of these kind of evidence-based, you know, human things that help us ha hang on to the supernatural with this realising that, hey, we're not that crazy. There's actually some good stuff that even humans who aren't Christians have seen that there is validity in this. So I really encourage you to go and start that journey because a a lot of times our doubt, we can then use that to pull away because we're like, this isn't okay or gosh, I'm such a bad Christian and we pull away. But I see from what Jesus is saying in this story, he says, come closer to me. He says, I'm going to put it out in front of you. And then what does Thomas have to do? He has to come closer, right? And he has to touch those hands. He has to choose to come and grapple with that evidence and see what he thinks about it and put his finger in that hole and put his hand in the side and go, okay, I'm feeling this is real here. So it's come closer. Take those questions as a good thing and go, how am I going to find the answers to these? God will provide answers, maybe not straight away, but he'll take you on a journey. He's never once failed me in that. And I still have questions and I'm learning to bring them to him. But when we look at context, um, there's a little poem that reminds me of things to consider. And it says, wherein you look within this book, five things observe with care of whom it speaks, to whom it speaks, of how and when and where. Wherein you look within this book, five things observe with care of whom it speaks, to whom it speaks, and how and when and where. It's a really good thing to remember that if you've got questions and how on earth does this weird story fit into the God that I know or, or the God that I may need to know more about is consider context because sometimes, and it's happened a lot, it's happened from people that I know that have been in leadership over me in the past have kind of got a little bit tweaked when the context hasn't been deep enough. So um, it's really important. We've got those questions. Bring it back to the, the context with those things to consider. 
As I was saying, it says, come closer. Put your hand in the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. And that's when Thomas says, my Lord, my God, he exclaimed. So that was where it was when he actually started to interact with the evidence that Jesus had given him. And when he invites us to come closer, he doesn't always give us the whole story. Because you think about it, if a professional dancer came up here and said, I'm going to show you the whole routine, (laughs) you know, what would we do with that? We can't, right? We're like, I'm doing the step toe, heel toe bit. That's where I'm up to. So sometimes in the dance of our relationship with God, he gives us the next step. And those questions of, I want to learn more, helps us going, I want to learn this step so I can learn the next step, so I can put this whole amazing routine together and like, like she does. Thank you. Thank you. Yep, that's right. I'm here all day. And um, so he speaks to our hearts. He pursues us. He gives us evidence and he says, come closer, interact with me, take these questions and grapple and let's do it together. Now, I have found that when I've been really honest with myself in the past, when I've questioned if God's real, if Jesus is real, what if this is that, when I've actually gone down to the essence of my doubt, it hasn't been God I've doubted. It's been me. It's always been me. And I think about things like, what if I fail? What if I'm not good enough to love that much? What if there is hoops I have to jump through and I get it wrong? It's always come down to me, the question, the doubt, what if I'm not good enough? So let's have a look what Jesus says to people that feel that way. John chapter 8, verse 1 to 11, another very classic story, a woman caught in adultery. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Now, put yourself in this woman's shoes. You know, she's been caught in the act, so I'm saying she's not very well clothed right now. And do you think from the way they're treating her that they said, just put your clothes back on. We're going to just go to the temple and we're going to suggest that you're stoned. So, you know, I'm assuming she's grabbed out, she's been dragged out of some bedroom of somewhere and she's dragged along the streets to be thrown in front of all these people, to be highlighted for her sin, highlighted that she's not good enough in front of everyone. And can you imagine Her life before this, I'm sure she wasn't living this pure at heart, feeling great about herself life and then went boom and made this one really bad choice. I'm sure there was times in her life where she tried to do the right thing and then made a bad mistake and went, actually, you know, I'm just a really bad person. Why do I even try? And then the next time it was a little bit worse. And yep, that's it. There I go again. And oh, that person doesn't love me. And this person that all these negative doubts that have come to this point where she's now found herself thrown half naked in front of everybody in the temple so well temple close to his teaching um so they say teacher they said to Jesus this woman hello everybody listen everybody don't don't miss it this one was caught in the act of adultery and the law of Moses says to stone her what do you say what do you think she's thinking right now this is the end this is how my life ends and I deserve it because I'm a terrible woman I'm sure she's thinking that too They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. 
They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again. All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw in the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Don't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. So here she is in the dirt, the lowest of low, thinking I'm not good enough. I deserve this. I'm just trash. And what does he do? He comes to her and he says, I don't condemn you. He lifts her up. He speaks into her self-worth. You're better than this. You're so important. Go and live the life that I've given you, the life that I see that you are. Condemnation means judging to be unfit for use, the condition of being strongly disapproved of. So Jesus is saying, I do not judge you unfit for use. You still have hope here. You still have a journey that I can take you on. Start your dance with me. Take my hand and let me show you where this goes. Oh, thank goodness he is God, hey? Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So you remember as well that for us, you are never um, judged as unfit for use. God, that's not, that's what the Bible says. says there, there is no condemnation. You will never get low enough that he can't pick you back up and set you back on your journey. Isn't that amazing? That's the God that we serve. Let's have a look at another story. John chapter 21, verse 1. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee, and this is how it happened. So once again, this is after the resurrection, and um, some people have seen Jesus, some people haven't. And we look at the story, this is to do with Simon Peter. Now, Simon Peter starts his journey early on where he is a fisherman that Jesus says, follow me. And he sees this new opportunity of something greater than where he's at and he takes it. And he goes on this journey with Jesus over the next three years and seeing these amazing things and Jesus saying, you're going to do more than this. You're going to do more than this. This is who you are. You're amazing. You're great. Then he makes this big blunder and he um, denies Jesus and I'm sure he feels pretty average about that. And then, and then Jesus is crucified and he He's like, what on earth did I put my life into? Because then he's sitting at the, um, at the sea and several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. Now that stood out to me so much like it never has before when I was looking at this. He goes back to the same old after this massive journey, Jesus tells him he's a fisher of men. And where does he go? I'm going back to what I know. I'm going back to safe. I'm going back to where there's no risk. I'm going back to mediocre. I'm going back to, like, maybe I got it wrong. Maybe I'm not good enough for this fisher of men thing. Maybe I'll just go back to this. And off he goes. And they say, we'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing at all. Imagine, he'd be like, oh, come on. Can't do anything. Oh. Oh. 
At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Can you imagine? No, you don't have to rub it in, salt in the wound. Um, Then he said, throw out your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there was so many fish. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard it, that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for he'd stripped for work, jumped into the water and headed for shore. This bit makes me laugh. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net into the shore because they were only 100 yards. <laughs> it's like, yeah, all right, I have to get too excited about it. We'll, we'll finish it. He's like, I'm gone. Um, when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over charcoal fire and some bread. Once again, in my mind, I just think Jesus having the biggest laugh. He's like, oh, just cook you some fish. You know, what, normal? <laughs> Weren't you dead a little while ago? What? Just cooking breakfast. Ah, I just think he, he's just thinking, I've been waiting the whole 33 years for this. Um, and then he says, bring me some of the fish you've caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went abroad and dragged the net to shore. There was 153 large fish and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, he said. And none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? It's like the elephant in the room. They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them bread and fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. Now you think of it at this point, where Simon's feeling in his head. And then Jesus says, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus brings him back to being lifted up. This is not who you are, Simon. Simon Peter, this is not who you are, okay? It was good then. You were doing great, really good. But then I gave you something new. You weren't wrong. Just because it was hard, just because you made mistakes along the way, that doesn't mean that wasn't your dance. That doesn't mean that we were supposed to grapple together and you're going to step on my toes and we're going to move back. But as you keep going, you're going to become that dancer that moves with me, that's strong, that's flexible, that we move as one. That's how it works. So if you've been in a place where you've risked something because you believe that God gave you something so great beyond yourself and you stepped out and then all of a sudden it didn't go the way you planned and you doubted yourself and you doubted God and you thought, maybe I got this wrong. Maybe this isn't real. God wants to remind you today that He has made you that way. That what's in your heart that's been growing and developing in there, that's risky, that's unsafe, that's crazy. He put it there. And it's okay that you've stepped on His toes. He can handle our doubt. You know, I mean, look at it. He just cooks fish, you know. He's okay with that. But it's when we challenge ourselves, are we good enough? Can you really love me that much? Can you really use me that much? Can these amazing, crazy things that change the world be done through me? Well, it's not me that says it. Jesus said it. Jesus said that. In times of doubt, Jesus invites us to come closer. Bring your questions to Him and He will provide evidence. But then we have to choose to step close enough to touch 
that evidence, to grapple with that, to choose to continue to dance with Him. And if we do that, well, I know He's never failed me yet. And I have questioned this stuff a lot. A few weeks ago, because like this is, this is not that long ago that I grapple with these things. And it's been years. And I've had conversations with my husband, my friends. I've read books. I've, I've studied the Bible. I've done all these things. And for so long, there was still just this like niggling. And then just a couple of weeks ago, I think I was even in church. Thank goodness. Jesus and God just whispered to my spirit and said, Do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? And I was like, yeah, I do. Because there's too many things in the Bible that point to that. The amount of people that he showed himself to and all these different things. And like hoaxes like that are snuffed out, really. Like in in history, they're like, oh, that was just that crazy thing that happened. And it got snuffed out, but it didn't. It continued. This story grew and it moved. And there's, there's this evidence of this, you know, historically accredited book that we can go to, that it never has failed yet when we look at the context. So I said to God, yeah, actually, I'm confident in that one. And he said, if you can believe Jesus rose from the dead, surely you don't have to question anything else about him. And it sealed this journey in me where I actually went, you know what? I'm okay with that. I think that I can step to that new level with you now. And mainly what it is, is that I actually learned, I'm good enough for you. Because you said, you've said all these things, you've never failed. And now you're saying that I'm good enough for you. So my message for you today is to keep on dancing. If you are at the point in your walk where you haven't even taken his hand and you've been unsure, you can take his hand today and have all these other questions not answered yet. And if you're at the point where you're the beginner and you're stepping on his toes and going, I am terrible at this, I'm useless. No, no, no. You're just stepping on his toes. You're just learning to dance. And one day, one day, we'll be able to look like those beautiful dancers. And who knows when that will be? Maybe when we're in glory and we can actually do that bend back. (laughs) But yeah, in a moment, I'm going to give you a last little view of those beautiful dances before we go into worship. And if you want to be prayed for today after the service, come down the front and people will pray with you and God will take you on the journey. So just keep on dancing.